In this video, I'm going to explain about how I was wrong about Dr. Harris's position on aspirating and give you a new way of understanding the benefit of aspirating so that you never need to doubt the safety step again. I know that's a big claim, but I really believe I have got to the basis of the problem and why there is confusion. The overall message which I got from Dr. Harris's post was that aspirating was dangerous, which was mentioned in the copy of several pieces of our content. My perception that this was his position was fueled in part from one of the references which include a paper with one of the cheekiest titles I have seen, Aspiration Before Tissue Filler, An Exercise in Futility and Unsafe Practice. Now, Dr. Harris's position in his own words is not that it is unsafe or dangerous, but simply that aspirating is intrinsically flawed and an unreliable safety measure. There is a major difference between saying something is dangerous and saying that it is unreliable, and I'm extremely happy that I was wrong in my understanding of Dr. Harris's position, because I believe it's very important for new injectors not to get the impression that it increases risk or that it is unsafe on its own. The statement that aspirating is flawed or unreliable is in fact a true statement. But simultaneously, I am certain, for reasons I will cover shortly, that it will still dramatically reduce the chance of vascular injury. I do have some serious concerns when antagonists to aspirating stray into making judgments about aspirating injectors being unsafe. This is a completely baseless position. Yet simultaneously, I also believe you can be safe without aspirating in many situations. We must be able to hold two opposing views simultaneously in our minds to understand the complexity of these situations. There is zero basis in my view to tell people not to aspirate in general. I'm going to give you examples to make the point as to why I believe those antagonists are not just a little bit wrong, but profoundly wrong in the way that they are looking at the same data. Let's look at a medical intervention scenario which I believe has the same mathematical structure as the aspirating debate. The same data can be used to make the case that this intervention is highly unreliable when you look at it in a certain way, but then extremely powerful when you look at it in a different way. I believe it's this example which best demonstrates the flawed logic in the case against aspirating. During the pandemic, many people were surprised to learn that ventilators used to treat patients suffering from acute respiratory distress only save a minority of patients. Studies indicate a survival rate of people on ventilators often less than 50% in many studies. The argument that ventilators are only 50% reliable could be made, but in fact, the efficacy of ventilators could be looked at in a profoundly different way. The population in which ventilators are being used have an extremely high chance of dying. Without ventilation, it's nearly 99%. Thus, even a 30% survival rate, which sounds dire, represents a 3,000% improvement in survival. Suddenly, it's clear that ventilators are actually extremely effective because we are looking at it in the proper context. Things do not have to be 100% reliable in their ability to save lives to still be extremely effective. Studies find that aspirating only works 30-50% to 50 of the time can be looked at in the same way. We have to consider the population these positive aspirations apply to. The patients going on ventilators, who without them are nearly certain to die, are the equivalent of the population of patients who have a needle in an artery about to be injected with filler. These people with needles in the lumen are the people at maximum risk of necrotic injury, and aspirating a positive is therefore an extremely high leverage event for reducing risk. 
It doesn't have to be anywhere near 100% reliable to be extremely effective at reducing the risk of vascular occlusion because 100% of people with a needle in the lumen of a vessel are about to be injected with filler. By getting a positive aspiration and stopping the process, you multiply the chances of avoiding injury by many thousands of percent, and evidence that aspirating will allow blood to appear in the needle is abundant in the literature. We know it works a significant portion of the time in this extremely high-risk population. We know this as a fact and are reminded with every positive aspirate and every blood sample we take in medicine, venous or arterial. You cannot assess the value of aspirating looking only at the negatives. The true value comes from what we can take it to mean when it's positive. When you see a syringe of filler fill with blood, we all intuitively know what this means. Don't inject. There's a very high probability that came from a blood vessel. Our goal should therefore not be to dismiss the test on the basis that it cannot always detect intraluminal placement but instead to learn as many ways as possible to increase the sensitivity of aspiration further. This is the key take home. A negative aspirate means very little for your patient's safety, but a positive is extremely significant. I think most clinicians actually intuitively understand this until we start reading academic papers from people who are not actually framing the problem correctly. Aspirating is a screening tool. Just like an unreliable PSA test for prostate cancer, for example, which has a 70% false positive rate and a 20% false negative rate, yet still saves thousands of lives. Just like an unreliable fecal occult blood test, which actually only picks up 19% of bowel cancers, yet saves thousands of lives. And just like unreliable ventilators only save half the people who use them, yet increase the chance of survival by many thousands of percent of those who do. I believe strongly that the confusion over this will risk injury to patients, and I'm sure I have got to the basis of a deep flaw in the logic which shows clearly that unreliable can still be highly effective in terms of reducing injury. So please share this with anyone who you think needs to know. To me, it's clear that anyone who tells you there's no evidence are framing the problem in a profoundly incorrect way. I suggest our efforts should go to keep working on improving sensitivity of our aspirates, while never solely relying on the negatives alone to keep us safe. From that position, you are in the right place to keep getting safer, in my view. Once again, we cannot overvalue these debates. When people engage openly on a position of difference and don't get personal, and instead think deeper and more about a particular issue, we all get stronger. So I must thank Dr. Harris again for sharing his points and raising this, because it's not an isolated view. Many people think this way. And I do apologize again for mischaracterizing his original position. His current statement is a statement of fact. It's the interpretation of it in everyday practice, which I disagree with. Let me know what you've taken from this debate. Has it shifted your perception slightly, or are you still as you were before? I think it'd be hard to have got through all of this content without learning something. So let me know what you've learned in the comments down below.